you've done for me all that you
Good morning, Aldersgate. Good morning. I love it. Okay, anyway. Uh, go ahead and stand for our first song, This Amazing Grace. Uh, happy Fourth of July weekend. I'm very patriotic up here. I'm wearing high water, so you can see my, sh my socks. Um, those online, yes, I'm wearing black socks. Okay, so let's sing This Is Amazing Grace. Sing for all that you've done for me. 
this is your first time here, we want to welcome you to our sanctuary. The Lord is with us tonight. You are my joy. You are my song. You are the Friends, you may be seated. 
Well, good morning and welcome to Aldersgate United Methodist Church on this 4th of July weekend. Uh, we like to say that we're a place of warm hearts and active hands, and so as uh, we worship God together, may we all feel God's love drawing near to us and then sending us out uh, with activated hands. Uh, my name is Daniel. I'm the associate pastor here, and along with Pastor Maria Penrod, it's our joy to welcome you to our family today. Pastor Gary is on vacation. He's in Colorado, so we uh, wish him well as he spends lots of time on his bike. Uh, if this is your uh, first time here or your first time in a long time, I want to say a special welcome to you and all those tuning in on the live stream. Uh, we're so glad that you are here. Uh, we will be participating in Holy Communion today, and so if you are tuning in online, I would encourage you to take a a uh, moment and find a piece of bread and uh, juice. If you don't have uh, grape juice, uh, wine will do, or um, something else will work too. But take a moment to uh, grab those. Uh, I do want to say, and I don't think we have talked about this a lot, but we do have attendance pads in the pews. So I would encourage you take a, a, a moment to fill that out. We would love to know that you are here. Uh, as we settle into the space today, there are a number of announcements that I want to lift up, or really just maybe two or three. Uh, the office will be closed tomorrow for the 4th of July holiday, so if you need us, uh, call us on Tuesday. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, you can, of course, call the office tomorrow as well and get a hold of an on-call pastor. Uh, Young Adult uh, Fellowship is up and going now. We're going to be meeting every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock down in the fellowship hall, and uh, we'll be doing a mix of what we call uh, study, service, and shenanigans. So we hope to have some fun, serve, uh, and, and also um, have some fun together. So if you're in the range of 18 to 35-ish, I hope you'll consider coming and being a part of that. They'll be meeting today at 11 o'clock. Uh, this Wednesday, July 6th at 6.30, is our monthly new member welcome and orientation group. And so if you are newer to the Aldersgate community and want to know a little bit more about what we're all about, come and join myself. Um, we'll be meeting just here in the Narthex Wednesday night at 6.30. Uh, there's a lot of other things going on. Uh, you'll begin to see the church trans transforming over the next few days for a vacation Bible school. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a few moments, uh, but I hope you will be looking for ways to be involved and to support this. Uh, Vacation Bible School is one of the most amazing and powerful things we do, uh, so I hope you'll enjoy seeing the church transform. Okay, there are other things going on, but you can see um, those announcements in the uh, bulletin. Let's take a moment to uh, warm up the space and to greet one another with signs of hospitality and love. Let's make a holy commotion, and if you don't know somebody's name, ask them theirs and tell them yours.
You may be seated. For our stewardship moment this morning, I have some awesome news. We have over 100 volunteers signed up for Vacation Bible School. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, the other part of that is that we need to feed them. So uh, every evening at Vacation Bible School, we provide a snack for our volunteers just as a little appreciation, keep them going, keep their energy up. Uh, so if you would like to sign up to help provide snacks for our volunteers, uh, you can do that on the VBS table, which is right over here. If you turn right, going out of the sanctuary, can't miss it, right past the bathrooms, you can sign up there to bring snacks. Also, uh, I would like to encourage you to invite any neighbors you have who might enjoy Vacation Bible School or uh, other kids, preschool through fifth grade in your life. Uh, VBS isn't just for Aldersgate kids, it's a community event. Everyone is welcome, it's totally free. You get to have a lot of fun, I'll be there. Um, <laughs> uh, Daniel will be there. So yeah, it's a good time and encourage people in your life to attend. May the ushers come forward. Please sing, Come Thou Fount, with me.
So the first Sunday of the month, uh, we call family worship. Uh, so there are kids in the uh, service, and we don't often do children's time at the 9.30, but because it's family worship, uh, we're going to do a spontaneous uh, time for young disciples. So if there are any kids or those who are young at heart who would like to come up uh, for a time with young disciples, I would in encourage you to come. some takers all right and I thought nobody would come how, how about that <laughs> all right friend do you want to come down here I want to be able to see you yes yes oh. oh wow we got some older kids too oh this is great hey hey guys do me a favor and come on down front I, I, I don't like you on my sides like that I can't see you all right. Hey, well, happy 4th of July weekend to all of you. Are you excited to shoot off some fireworks tomorrow? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Have you guys um, spent far too much of your parents' uh, money on fireworks already? Not yet. Not yet? Yeah. So I got to tell y'all, uh, when I was in high school, I, I don't know why, but I, I spent far, far too much money on 
fireworks. I mean, I'm talking like $300 a year on fireworks, and it was all gone in like five seconds. Uh, but they're fun. They're fun. So I hope you enjoy that tomorrow. Uh, but today we're not talking about fireworks. We're talking about food. So I thought it would be fun to, to talk about what our favorite and least favorite foods are. So uh, let's start with your favorite food. So, so if, if there was one food that you could eat for the rest of your life, just one, what would it be? Someone want to share? I guess I don't have a microphone, but you can tell me. Your favorite food of all time? You guys don't like food? Yeah. Yeah? What, what, what is your most favorite food? Macaroni and cheese. Right on, right on. Good option, good option. Anybody else have it? Yeah? Your favorite food is the one that you're eating. I like that. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Anybody down here? Favorite food? Favorite food? All right. Well, I want to tell you guys what my favorite food is. And if I could eat one thing for the rest of my life, it would be a beautiful chicken fried steak with mashed potatoes and green beans. I could eat this all day, every day. Does anybody else like chicken fried steak? Thank you, Doug. Thank you. All right. All right. So, okay. Uh, what about your least favorite food? Is there a particular food that maybe your parents try to make you eat, but you never want to? Yeah. You don't like beans. Okay. I, I'm not a big fan of beans either, to be honest. Okay. Macaroni and cheese. So we have a least favorite and a most favorite. Okay, good. Anybody else? Least favorite food? Broccoli. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, well, I got to tell you guys. Oh, did you want to say yours? Okay. Sorry? Brownies? You don't like brownies. Okay, that's fair. Now, now I got to tell you guys um, something about me. Um, my least favorite food of all time is cheese. Now you heard the gasps from the adults. Now what that was, guys, is I just lost the respect and credibility of half the people in this room. Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm just not a big fan of cheese. I just don't like it very much. I don't eat it. Um, but that's okay. We all have foods that we like and foods that we don't like. Now, but uh, now I want to talk to you about my favorite meal. Now, even more so than a chicken fried steak with mashed potatoes and green beans, my favorite meal of all time is Holy Communion. Now, does anybody want to take a stab at why we eat this meal, this bread and this juice, each month? What, yeah, what do you think? Yeah? Just think about that for a moment. I actually want you guys to come up here with me. I want to show you something. Let's gather, gather around here a little bit. So, communion in its most simple form is a meal. And, and, and what I want to tell you is that it's not too different than the meals that you eat at home. So, so I'm going to guess that most of you, when you have dinner with your families, you eat around a table. At least you do sometimes, right? So we got a table here, a very nice one. And I'm also going to guess that when you eat your meals, you don't eat it just on the table, but you have a plate. Does anybody eat their meals just on the table? Okay, good. So we also have a plate. We have some plates, and on it is a little piece of bread that we'll use. Yep, it's a nice piece of pita bread. 
So we got the table, we got plates, okay, we're doing good. And we also have cups, cups for the drinks. And the drink here is grape juice. And I want you to look in there. We actually have it in there already. So it's ready to go for us. I already knew that. Yeah, you knew that already? No, we use grape juice and, and, and have for a long, long time to make it look like wine. That's right. Wine is made out of grapes. But, you know, the guy who invented uh, grape juice, his name was Welch. He was a United Methodist, and he created grape juice specifically so that people could have it for communion and people wouldn't have to have wine if they didn't want to. It's a fun little fact of history for you. Um, so we have the table, we have the plate, we have the cup. In a lot of ways, this is just like the meals that you have at home, but there's one thing that is different about this meal, and that is that God is present here. Now, just like you sit around the uh, dinner table with your moms and your dads and your brothers and sisters, when we come to this table, we remember that God sits with us. And God invites us to come and eat the little piece of bread and the little bit of juice. And we remember that God loves us. That God's grace is always for us. And God's grace is always ready and available for us when we come to this table. And it always is there with us in our spirit today. Well said. That's exactly right. You could preach the uh, sermon today. God is always with us, even if we can't feel him. And friends, we know that because God has made himself available to us right here at this table. So when you come, I hope you'll be thinking about that. Um, there's a lot of us here, but um, what I did at the first service is I gave them a little foretaste because this hasn't been uh, prayed for yet. So we're, we often try to give you guys a little snack or something. So if you guys want, I'll give you a little preview of, of, of the bread. And when you come back up later, know that there is more to go around because there is always enough of God's love. So I don't have candy, but I have Jesus bread. So I hope that'll work. Yes, yes. Anybody down here? Piece of Jesus bread hasn't been prayed for yet. So this is okay that I'm doing this. All right, friends, uh, let us pray, and I would encourage you to repeat after me, and we'll ask the adults to help us too. Dear God, we give you thanks for this day and for this small but simple meal. Help us to remember that your love is always for us. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys, for coming up to be with me. I appreciate it. Our Old Testament scripture this morning is from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. This entire commandment that I command you today, must, you must diligently observe. 
so that you may live and increase and go in and occupy the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness and in order to humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep God's commandments. God humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Our gospel reading is from the gospel according to Matthew. Uh, I'll be starting in chapter 4, verse 1, and reading through verse 11. Please stand in body or in spirit for the reading of the gospel. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only God. Then the devil left him. And suddenly angels came and waited on him. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Would you join me for a moment of prayer? Gracious God, we give you thanks for this day and for the gift of your presence with us. As we come to this time, we pray that you would open our ears, open our eyes, and even open our hearts, that we would be able to hear and to listen to what you want to say in this place today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So I was a philosophy major at Southwestern College, and in one of my classes I heard about uh, this particular very famous 19th century philosopher. His name was Friedrich Nietzsche. He was a German philosopher. And, and you might have heard of him, but he said once uh, this very famous line uh, that has rippled throughout time. He wrote that God is dead and we have killed him. 
Now, that might be a strange way to um, open a sermon. I don't know if you've heard that before. Uh, perhaps you've heard of the movie series God is Not Dead, which is a direct response and refutation of Nietzsche, who says God is dead. Now, Nietzsche is speaking metaphorically, we have to understand, and, and what he means is he's making an observation, and the observation that he's making in the 19th century is that with the onset of the Enlightenment and the advancement of modern society, it has become harder and harder for people to believe in God, because people no longer need God. And for the vast majority of history, people have struggled for their daily bread. People have had a keen awareness of their need for God. The ancient Israelite people uh, that we heard from, from Deuteronomy chapter 8, when they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, uh, they, they did not have McDonald's, they did not have Dylan's on the street corner, so they had to rely on God for their daily bread which the scripture tells us came down from heaven each and every day so they would have what they needed. They relied on God. They needed God, and God provided for them. But what Nietzsche is talking about when he says that God is dead and we have killed him, what he's getting at is the fact that in a world where Walmart, Target, and Amazon make available for us literally anything we could possibly want or need at a moment's notice and at conveniently cheap prices, what need do we have for God anymore? All of our needs and wants can be met. We don't need God, says Nietzsche. We need Walmart. We need Chick-fil-A. We need Starbucks. And yes, we do. Who needs God in an American society where food, for the vast majority of us, certainly the vast majority of people sitting in this room, is available with such abundance and convenience, none of us will have to worry about where our next meal or our daily bread will come from. We're living in a very different world than the biblical story. Today we live in a world where we provide for ourselves. We live in a society that teaches us, in fact encourages us, to be self-reliant, independent, financially stable, so that we could provide for ourselves and our families the security and material comfort that we want. These are the highest ideals of our culture in so many ways, are they not? Work enough, earn enough money, save enough, so that you can sustain yourself and provide for the things you need. Now, I want to be clear, I'm glad for the advancements of modern society. There is nothing wrong or sinful about being born in the 20th or the 21st century. It's just a fact of our existence. But there is a temptation that comes with living in America, with living in the suburbs in the 21st century. And that temptation is if we believe that we ourselves can sustain ourselves, what need do we have for God? This fly likes me a lot, guys. I don't know what's going on here. 
if we believe that we can sustain ourselves, what need do we have for God? Maybe God is dead. Maybe Nietzsche is right. And maybe we have discarded God just like a piece of single-use plastic along with everything else we don't need, use, or want anymore. And if Nietzsche is right, then the idea and belief in God is nothing more than a relic of a former time when people were not able to do what we can do, which is provide for themselves, and so needed a provider, a comforter, and a protector, and that's who God was. It is the great temptation of our time to think that we can sustain ourselves through our own power and our own agency. And friends, this is the exact same temptation that Jesus experienced 2,000 or so years ago when he was wandering in the wilderness. Now that passage that Pastor Maria read from us from Matthew chapter 4, Jesus has just been baptized in the River Jordan by John, and immediately he is sent out into the wilderness where he wanders for 40 days without any food. Now one of the things that we should keep in mind is that whenever the Bible says 40 days, that's the symbolic number. Jesus probably wasn't out there for 40 specific days, but the number 40 in the Bible means a very, very long time, longer than you would ever want to know. And we see that in the Old Testament with the ancient Hebrew people who wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. We see it again in Noah's Ark, where uh, the flood waters were there for 40 days and 40 nights. And we see it again when Jesus wanders in the wilderness for 40 days. Now, however long Jesus was in the actual wilderness, we can safely assume that when it's over, he is hungry starving even. And the tempter comes to him and says something that probably would have tempted Jesus to the core of his humanity. When he's at his most vulnerable and most hungry, the tempter comes and says, Jesus, why don't you use your own power to provide for yourself? You see these rocks? You have the power to turn these into bread. You are the son of God, aren't you? Turn these rocks into beautiful, fresh loaves of bread so you can eat. Provide for yourself what you need. It makes sense to us, doesn't it, with our 21st century sensibilities. The, the, the temptation of Jesus is not just to create bread. The temptation is for Jesus to rely on himself and him alone for what he needs. But of course, Jesus knows better. And he quotes the passage that we read from Deuteronomy and reveals what I think is the most profound truth about the human condition when he says, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We do not live by bread alone, but by the word and the grace of God. What Jesus is pointing to is the fact that as much as we would like to think it was true, we cannot sustain ourselves. We literally cannot. Every time we come to the table to eat a meal three times a day, we are reminded we cannot sustain ourselves. We have to eat or else our bodies will wither away. And every time we come to eat, whether it's a five-course meal or a bowl of ramen noodles, 
I've had a lot of those in my day. We're reminded of this deep human truth that Jesus points us to. We are creatures who simply cannot sustain ourselves. We have to eat. And this is a humbling and sobering truth, for we remember that each and every one of us, when we were born, we were utterly reliant on other people to feed us and care for us, to give us the things we need. And when our days here on earth are almost done, many of us will be in that exact same place where we rely on others to feed us and care for us and nurture us. I have a great uncle who's in hospice care up in Topeka, and I was up to uh, visit him just this last week. And he's a grown man, and he is utterly reliant at this point for others to feed him, care for him, give him his medicine. We rely on farmers. We rely on producers. We rely on factory workers, grocery store employees, people all along the supply chain to make the food that appears on our plates accessible and affordable. We are not wholly self-reliant and independent beings. We are created creatures who need to pause multiple times a day to eat and be reminded that our sustenance does not come from within us. It comes from beyond us. And this matters so much because it is no coincidence that Jesus Christ himself, when he knows that his days on earth are numbered, chose a meal to be the very act that his disciples would do to remember him. He could have picked anything. He could have said, pray this prayer, go to this place, but he says, eat this meal and remember me. Jesus picked eating, a mundane, necessary, everyday task, and the most unremarkable of elements, bread and wine, to communicate to us the profound truth that we do not live by bread alone, but by the grace and the mercy of God. Just as we cannot sustain our bodies without eating, we cannot sustain our spirits and our faith without God's grace. And in Holy Communion, we are invited to come and feast on the goodness of God and receive the spiritual nourishment, the spiritual food that we need for our life of faith. Now, there is nothing extraordinary about this meal, a small piece of bread and a little bit of juice. Just like there's nothing extraordinary about most of the meals that we eat, uh, somebody said that their least uh, favorite food was beans. Well, I've had beans for lunch three times this week because that's what was left over from last Sunday. And let me tell you, friends, there is nothing extraordinary about having beans for lunch three days in a row. <laughs> and communion is the same every time. Maybe it gets a little boring. Maybe it seems a little mundane or just something we do on the first Sunday. Maybe at best it's a mid-morning snack. Oh, but it's so much more. For this is the way that God has chosen and given to us to sustain and nourish us for our life of faith. 
Now, I was with a young adult group on Tuesday night. We meet at uh, Mocha's Coffee Shop, and we were talking about this topic, and they lifted up the wisdom that there are many different ways that we are nourished in our life of faith. And we talked about how each of us in our own way are nourished by God's grace. We each have our own spiritual diet, so to speak. Uh, We talked about how some of us connect more naturally to music, some of us connect more naturally to Bible study or community engagement or social justice. The ways to connect with God are nearly infinite. And the truth is we need a little bit of everything to have a balanced spiritual diet, even if maybe in different quantities for different people. But the one thing that we all share, and I love that they lifted this up, the one thing that we share is the communion table. And whenever we come to the communion table, we pause to remember we do not sustain ourselves. And we give thanks to God that grace and strength and hope and joy are ever-present at this table. We may be able to provide for our material needs in most cases, but we can never save ourselves. We're all the same. We all desperately need God, not only to save us, but to transform us. We need God to heal us, to forgive us when we make stupid mistakes. We need God to help us when life feels most impossible, when the diagnosis comes in and it's not good, when the relationship falls apart, when life feels most impossible. Friends, we know in the deepest parts of our being, we need God. And God knows this. And so in God's wisdom, we've been given a meal. A simple meal where we receive the gift of grace to refresh our souls and give us the strength we need to keep going forward. We can't do it on our own. I kind of like to think of communion as a pit stop. Now, you might have saw I was not here last week. Um, I was on my way to Shenandoah, Iowa for a family uh, reunion, and um, I was driving to Iowa on Sunday morning, and I got to tell you, the drive from Kansas to Iowa is very, very boring and very, very long. Now, I know that my uh, family is tuning in on the live stream who were with me in the car, so I just want to clarify for the record, the company was not boring, but the drive was horrible. (laughs) It was early in the morning, And we were tired, hungry, we needed to go to the bathroom after what felt like five hours of nonstop driving. We were road weary. If you've been on a car trip or a road trip, you know what this is like. So what did we do? We stopped at a gas station. And it wasn't fancy. But we got some food. We gassed up the car. We emptied our tanks, if you know what I mean. And then we were off again on our way, feeling refreshed and energized for the rest of the journey. And I kind of like to think that communion is a little bit like that. When we are road weary from the journey of life and needing to refill our spiritual tanks, we come to the Lord's table to receive the nourishment and the refreshment we need to keep going. We give thanks that we don't have to make it all the way to Shenandoah, Iowa, on our own strength, but that God has built in a pit stop for us so that we can keep on going down the road, 
Keep on being transformed by the love of God. Keep on living like Christ and sharing God's love in the world, not by our own strength, but by God's. And that strength that we receive is simply the grace of Jesus, the grace that says, no matter how long it's been since you've come to the pit stop, no matter what you've done, no matter how far away you might feel from my love, you are invited to come and receive the strength that you need. My grace is available if you would just come and receive. What good news that in a world that tells us that we have to provide for ourselves and be independent and self-sustaining, God says, come and let me nourish you. Come and let me give you and feed you in the deepest parts of your being. I think Friedrich Nietzsche was wrong. God is not dead. For I think we all need God. When the rubber meets the road and there are questions that we don't know the answer to or experiences that we can't make sense of, when life throws us those curveballs, we know we need God. And every time we sit at the table to eat a meal, whether it be a five-course meal or a bowl of ramen, and every time we come to this meal is an opportunity for us to pause and to give thanks that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word and every grace that God so freely gives to us. Thanks be to God. So I'm going to just pretend that this fly is the Holy Spirit <laughs> that is um, ever present with me. Thanks be to God. Amen. So friends, you probably uh, can tell that I really like communion. It's one of my favorite things. And the reason is simply, I'll just be honest with you, because I really know that I need it. I need it all the time because I don't have the strength to be the person that God has called me to be. And so one of the things that we do as we prepare our hearts to come and meet Jesus at this table is we confess together before one another and before God that we do not always get things right. And this table is not about getting things right. It is about leaning once more on the grace of God. So let us turn together to our prayer of confession. You'll find it on the screen. It's also in uh, print. Let us say these words together. Holy Spirit, we're not sure we're ready for your awesome power to blow through our lives. We've grown comfortable with our familiar habits 
and our bland routines. We're afraid to give up our waking slumber and face the truth that we do not truly live. When we cling to our ways and the safety of familiar paths, wake us up, shake us up, heat us up, and breathe your life into us. Walk with us, O God, and give us the courage to follow the way that is lit by the fire. Now hear this good news. Jesus Christ died for you and for me and for the whole world, not when we were worthy of it, but while we were yet sinners. And this proves God's infinite and abundant love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you find a posture that feels both holy and comfortable to you and join me in prayer? Gracious and almighty God, we do come to this table with a spirit of thanks. Thankfulness for the gift of a new day, thankfulness for the gift of community, and thankful for all of the million small moments where you make your mercy and your grace known to us. We are weary, many of us. We've been on this road of life and this road of faith for a long time, and it maybe has been a while since we have pulled into the station to let you fill us up. And so today we invite you into our lives, into our hearts, into this space, into this very room, to come and meet us and encounter us with your love once more. Humble us that we would know that we need you and give us the faith to lift our faces towards you, O God, for you are the sustainer of our lives. We pray for all of those places around creation that need your presence for those places affected by war and terror we continue to pray for the ukraine even though it's no longer on the headlines as much we know god that you know the names and the faces of those who are affected we pray for those who don't know where their daily bread will come from for those who have difficulty eating For those who are caught in cycles of chaos and turmoil and despair. We lift up those people who have asked this community to remember them and so we lift them up to you God knowing that you're never far from us and you're never far from them. So be with Mike Brown and Stacy Shelton. We pray for Greg Eno and Terry Finger continue to lift up Matthew Marin, Carmina Birchfield, Patty McCullough, Karen Kennedy, Aaron McMillan, Jeff Dale, Raymond Miller, David Harris, Mary Brody, and the names that we hold in our hearts. God, you are faithful to them as you are faithful to us so we give you thanks. 
We come to this table and we remember that on that night that Jesus gave himself up for us, he was in a room with his disciples and he took a simple piece of bread and he lifted it up to heaven and gave thanks to you, O God, and then he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat from this loaf, all of you, for this is my body, which is broken and given for you. Just as bread came down from heaven to the ancient Hebrew people, so too am I now your living bread. Eat this and remember me. So too, when the meal was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, O God, and then he passed it out to his friends and said, drink from this cup, all of you, for this is not just the fruit of the vine, but this is my blood, which is poured out for you and for the whole world for the forgiveness and redemption of sins. Drink this often and remember what I have done for you. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, God, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us, gathered here out of love for you, and pour out your Holy Spirit on these simple gifts of bread and juice that we would know that you are here that we would be transformed and redeemed by your love. Make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, sustained and nurtured by this holy food until Christ comes in final victory and we all feast at his heavenly banquet. All honor, all power, all glory is yours, almighty God. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray with one heart and one voice, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would those who are helping serve come up at this time? And as we prepare the table, I'd just like to remind you that all are welcome to come and feast at this meal. You don't have to be a member of Aldersgate Church. You don't even have to be a saint. Christ welcomes all to his table. This is not my table, Gary's table, Maria's table, or Aldersgate's table. It is Christ's, and so all are welcome. Please sing with uh, me if you're able, How Great Thou Art.
come and receive the grace of Christ.
join together in our prayer after receiving. You'll find the words on the screen. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we might go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. All right, let us stand for our closing song. Today is the day.
Today is the day that we have been fed and nourished by the grace and mercy of God. If you feel like you need more, uh, there's a fellowship time down in the fellowship hall. I hear there's some uh, donuts and other things to snack on if that wasn't quite enough. So I hope you'll go and be part of that. Uh, But as you go from this place, uh, may the spirit and presence of God be as close to you as a fly hovering over your head. May it be a persistent and omnipresent experience for you that God is with you, God loves you, and God will nourish you for your life and your journey of faith. Thanks be to God. Go in peace. Amen.